Guys, we are back on the couch. We've switched sides, and I'm delighted to be joined by Neris Caulfield, who is actually quite a star attraction, I have to say. <laughs> you, your, your reputation precedes you. That's the problem. Neris <laughs> is an independent consultant to the contact center space. Neris, thanks for joining us on the Iris Pod. It's fine. I'm really glad he's pleased to be here. We've gone ant and deck, deck and ant now. Exactly, we've deck and anted it, and we're wearing <laughs> our uh, our partners, Awaken, who are on the stand with us here, Awaken, wearing their baseball caps, because it feels like, you know, it feels like the beers are about to flow at this thing. I've seen them flowing. Yeah. They are flowing. What time is it now? 4 p.m.? I think it's about 4 p.m., so... There's a lot of beer flowing already, but yeah. it's very light. I think it's a light beer. It's also 9 p.m. in the UK, so technically, <laughs> if we work on that time zone, that's allowed. Yeah. Um... Thanks for joining us. What, you know, why do you come to an event like this, the kind of big CX of men in, on the planet? What, what do you get out of this? Well, it is incredible. I mean, I was invited to come to speak. So my son keeps saying, so you're going to America for 45 minutes? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, crazy. But, you know, I've been going to Call and Contact Center Expo for 24 years. I think I've been going there every year, apart from COVID. And I've, like coming over here, I was kind of like, oh, it's going to be a bit the same. Wow, it is nothing the same. Similar sort of vendor landscape, of course, but the size and the scale is off the scale. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think, you know, what are your kind of top observations over the last couple of days? What have you picked out as being something that surprised you? I think what has surprised me the most, I think probably the, the, uh, the, the similarity of the brands. Um, I was expecting to see much more differentiation. And there's some brands that I've gone up there standing on. I don't know who you are. Tell me about you. You don't really play in Western Europe. And they are very good and, and have uh, taught me through all of their portfolio. But so that surprised me. Um, but then the prevalence of some of those brands that are in the UK, perhaps that brand awareness hasn't reached the shores of the West of Europe yet. So, you know, Ring Central, you've we can't move, can we, for the Ring Central brand over here? It's it's at, we, everywhere we go. There's banners and and you know signage and all that side of things. They're big in the UK, but nowhere near as big as they are here as a brand with that marketing side of things. So that surprised me, I guess. Yeah. Shout out to Dave Darcy at um, a Ring Central who fights the good fight over in Amir. Yeah, they do. They do do a great job over in Amir, and of course they have got brand presence. But I guess it's it's so significant over here. Yeah. But yeah, there's some really exciting things going on. I'm I'm loving going to some of the keynotes um, and listening to sort of end user experiences of big digital transformations. Was a, a customer yesterday, and that was really fascinating because he was a customer that had gone from on premise to cloud, and the sort of view is. And I very much re retain this view, which is you really shouldn't lift and shift. That is an absolute waste of time, effort, and energies. Why would you do that? And he was talking about like how that all changes in terms of mindset as well, and how he had to create that change mindset in the business to adopt cloud. I can't customize. Why customize? You've got the solution. Just use it as it is. So some of the messaging is really strong here because I guess there's a lot of enterprise customers that have adopted public cloud solutions. She's a lot less so in the, in the UK, certainly. Yeah. The differentiation point, I mean, that's one of the reasons why 
we are having such powerful conversations as Iris Parity because, you know, we offer that point of differentiation for a platform. Of course, we are selling direct to the end clients, but the platform conversations are the ones that are really rolling here. And that makes sense for the client as well, because they don't want to speak to loads of different vendors. They want to rack it up into one offering. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, I think yours is one of, I, I really like, I love your standard expo and I really love it here. The fact that you've got Make-A-Wish Foundation advisors taking calls, that's super cool. And, and, and I think that's the thing, those, those solutions that are complement, they're able to complement and work with any to augment the customer service experience and the advisor experience. You know, and I think yours is absolutely squarely sits in that 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 that, that market. So I, I'm not surprised you're having a great show. Yeah, <laughs> the, the point that you made about the agent experience, you know, this is a CX show. But the agent experience, I sometimes think is forgotten a little bit. And they're obviously the cold face of your brand into the clients. Why do you think? Do you think this is something that platforms and, and solution providers are getting a little bit more savvy on, how they wrap their products to the agent? I think the vendors tend to listen and engage with the customers and what's important to the end customers, and to be honest. So I judge for the European Contact Centre Customer Service Awards, and a component part of that, like best transformation, best customer experience, a lot of that now always talks to the agent experience. So they measure that through ESAT scores. And that has become a lot more prevalent. So then you're seeing the vendors following that because it's really expensive to recruit and onboard, exactly. engage agents, retain agents. It's really expensive. And you lose, you lose brand advocacy and all that skill and knowledge and understanding when you lose an advisor. So workhorse engagement is becoming such a big thing now because it's a big thing for the customers because they've worked out how critical it is to make that experience for the advisors frictionless, easy, that speed to confidence or confidence as I like to call it is really important. So yeah. I think it's one of the things we talk about. I keep bringing this up and showing the camera. It's one of the things we talk about in this white paper and the study that we did last year, which we've updated for 2023. The mental well-being aspect, 69% of agents told us in the study that background noise was detrimental to their mental well-being. It's a small point, but when you think about an agent being on tens, if not into the hundreds of calls in a day, yeah. and the v variability of the customer being in some environment that's not designed for a communication moment, it's a small detail, but it's one of the key things that we get cut through with. Um, and it shows that customer, uh, the, the, the companies themselves are thinking more about agent well-being. And of course, it affects, as you say, their, their, their profit margin because they're, they're having to replace start Like 40% churn as an average is insane. It is insane. It is insane. And I think it's worse over here in North America, actually, than it is in, in the UK. Yeah. But 100%, you know, any factor that is going to remove distraction irritation, confusion in the call. Cause that, you know, asking customers to, I'm sorry, can you repeat that please? And of course you've got advisors working from home now. So the advent of background noise is, you know, is a, is a real factor in the, in the conversation. So anything that takes away from that and allows the cons, the advisor just to concentrate on that interaction, on servicing the customer without 
yeah, like you say, getting all stressed. I loved AWS. So they did this um, uh, overview and on Amazon Connect and they measured the heart rate of advisors. Really? Before a deployment and after a deployment and they could show a biometric de um, decrease in the advisor's heart rate through the ease of the tools that they were using because it's stressful, right? That's incredible. It's so cool, isn't it? I was like, that is so cool because that stress is real. In a way, I'm an advisor. I'm a befriender service for Age UK. And my friend Brenda, who I've been speaking to once a week for two years, it's difficult when I can't hear her. And what I have said, oh, Brenda, I'm really sorry, but can you can you just say that again? So, you know, and obviously I spend a lot of time sitting next to advisors who are having difficult experiences. So anything that can augment their experience and make it easier for them to manage that interaction focus on that interaction whether that's the desktop whether that's the the audio part all of it is net good net good yeah <laughs> exactly and um in terms of in terms of your uh insights on where we're kind of leveling out on this home hybrid office space where do you see that kind of do you think we've come to an equilibrium now or do you think there's still a bit of you know people are trying to get uh their stuff back into the office you know, you, it's really challenging to do that to people who are quitting. You know, we see it when we're hiring any role that people want to work at home. So they're making their offices feel more like home to get them back. What's your read on that whole dynamic? I think that people have really recognised that onboarding advisors is very difficult to do remotely. There are some customers that I've worked with that are doing it successfully and they're taking advantage of the geographic breadth of, of, then, of the options that they have. So, you know, contact center in London, taking on advisors from Scotland, fully onboarding them and training them, working from home, they get a skill set that's really, you know, is great. The CWFM solutions now where you're in the scheduling and, and your resource planning and you're saying, all right, work from home, work, you know, coming into the office. And so that's an option for the advisors select now when they're doing their shifts. I think it. I think, are we, have we reached an equilibrium? I think Gen Z are very keen on work-life balance. I think they are not, they're like a, a new generation that we've not really seen before, but they're very demanding. Yes, and I'm like, well, <laughs> all power to them really in, in lots of ways, but it does mean the flexibility has to come. And, and, and if you want to retain good age advisors, then I think working from home, an element of working from home is absolutely going to be here to stay. About three percent, I reckon. I, I wonder. I have no. I have no idea on this, and it might be an interesting study of the relative performance home workers versus in office. But and then I wonder whether we'll get to a point where we'll see a return to the office just because of the social aspect of it. I I really think it is a bit of a shame in a way that there's this generation that are very happy to be closed away well, about those relationships and friendships over the years that you yeah. by working closely with people yeah a hundred percent i mean i'm gutted because i you know i now audit advisors that are working from home but i i love the buzz of going into contact center and that camaraderie and support that you yeah. get from there ring the bell ring the <laughs> ring the bell all of that exactly that and i think they are fundamentally customer service advisors are relatively extrovert and that's what yeah. allows them to do their job and as such 
was like caging social butterflies. And I, I speak to them and they're lonely at home. And they are, it, it's just highly transactional then. So then, then, then it's a big job for the businesses to engage in another way, to have huddles with the guys, to offer support through tech. But it's a very different landscape. You know, I, I've had a lot of fun working in contact centres because of that teamwork. Yeah. It does mean, though, that you can now, you know, we're seeing an average age of advisors going up. So, and I think that might positively impact retention because it's not that transient in the, that you are in your early 20s. You can have returning to work parents. Um, they can do, you know, sh shit that spit around them. So there's some real positive advantages to the working from home. And there has been studies on that productivity well, that delta. Helps. Yeah, on that productivity delta. But I think... And, they, and a lot of people talk about it being very positive, but you've got to also bring into that mix the well-being of the advisors, like you said, Tom. And it's like, how do you ensure that they feel supported, confident, comfortable in their day-to-day -day job? You know, I work with some customers, the advisors that have to handle very difficult calls. And after that, you just need some downtime, breathing space. Yeah. And if you're in the office, the team leader can see that and go, just go and take a break. That was obviously really tough. That isn't as easily transparent when you're, your team leader's in some crease and you're in Cardiff. So, Good towns to pick. Good towns. Randomly <laughs> selected towns. I, I think it's all an interesting tapestry. And I think, you know, the hybrid approach is probably where we end up, right? Yeah. You know, there are moments where the different environments are more suitable. Back to a more functional thing on that piece. I also wonder if I'm speaking to somebody at my bank, I don't want to, I don't want to know that they're working at home. I don't want to hear their dog barking in the background and the Amazon delivery guy rocking up. There's a confidentiality and, and uh, compliance point here as well, I think. Yeah. And you're right, because technically they absolutely should have put all the governance in place to ensure that they still emulate that those strict um, security guidelines that exist and they've got tools to do that. But it's not, it's, so that, that sorts out the data security and, and, and all that side of things. But you're right, customer confidence. And when you are going to do a high net, you know, whether you're in your travel company to book a holiday, all of that, you, it does engender this, oh, hang on a minute, I can hear, yeah, like, exactly like you say. So there's the one side of it, okay, well, my data's sorted, I, my, my advisors, I've done everything I can to ensure that they're not going to compromise the data. But it's the customer confidence, and customer confidence, again, it'd be great to do a study on it. I'm sure you can prove that there's a skip of a beat, a reduction in confidence, when they know that that advisor's working from home. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a key point that we are discovering. You know, take AHT reduction, take, you know, whatever metric out of it, the confidence piece, just giving them that isolated bubble is what is a key talking point of our solution. And I, I probably hadn't appreciated it so much. And then we get into some of those conversations with insurance and financial services companies and they're like just if you can do that yeah. then that's actually good enough for us that's that's a key thing for it well enterprise connect uh, you know they write 
um, the magazine, the dig now digital magazine, No Jitter. Yes. And No Jitter is like a real sort of panacea situation that the, the, all the vendors want. They want quality of service on their voice part. They don't want Jitter because they know how detrimental that is to the customer service experience. So, yeah. And, and yeah, so it's all, and that's all because of the confidence element. If, um, thank you for joining us. It's been right. fantastic to talk to you. Uh, if people want to find out more about what you can offer them, how can they get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Oh, I'm an absolute pain in the bum on LinkedIn. So people have already found them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to LinkedIn and have a, have a look. But yeah, I just, I do contact center audits and discoveries to support improving customer service experience, advisory experience, operational experience. And really how that is supported through a best amalgamation of people, process, intent, change. That's how you. Well, we really appreciate your support of us, your advice to us. Um, we're a challenger brand, but we're a differentiator of this space. And I think that's a lovely mix to have. And it's coming through in the conversations we're having here. But I'm delighted that you joined us. No worries. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on another Iris Pod. I won't bore you with the usual things. I'm stealing this hat. Me too. I'm having it. Join us again soon. Thank you.